Hallelujah. Well, it's just great to be here this morning to see everybody again. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I was listening a bit to uh, Bill Johnson. He always starts his messages with a, a little bit of some funny stories. And so he was telling a story of uh, a woman that came to tell him that uh, the day before, her husband thought he saw a cockroach in the kitchen. And so he sprayed everywhere. He sanitized. He cleaned the kitchen from top to bottom. And she said then, so today I'm putting the cockroach in the bathroom. <laughs> and then there are... What would have happened if there were three wise women that came instead of three wise men? Well, first of all, they would have asked direction. They would have arrived on time. They would help to deliver the baby. And then they'd make a casserole so that they could entertain the shepherds when they came. There's so many of these good stories. <laughs> there are three kinds of people in the world. The ones who like math, and the ones who don't. <laughs> oh, dear me. Okay, one more. <laughs> Do you know that when uh, Jacob made his pillow on the rock and he saw the ladder coming up and down from heaven, remember that? And he saw this was the house of God. And uh, so they named the place Bethel as the house of God. That's what that little word literally means. And prior to that, it had been called Luz. Now, Luz actually literally means almonds. So it changed from the house of nuts to the house of God. <laughs> All right, that's enough. I like a little fun, don't you? Yeah. You should, uh, yeah, let's just laugh at that. That's good. Yeah, I really also appreciated Joel's message. I was listening to that this morning as well. Great message from the book of Lamentations. It kind of helps to solidify the significance of the Bible. Most Christians today don't read the Bible. You're really missing out. In fact, the, digger you, the deeper you dig, the more you realize this has to be the hand of God. Because all of it points to Jesus, even in a mystery. A hidden mystery that up till then the prophets looked, tried to look into, but couldn't figure it out. Even the devil couldn't figure it out. So in the book of Lamentations, right in the middle, uh, as Joel quoted um, from Lamentations 23, it talks about his, God's loving kindness, his mercies are new, he's faithful, and he, and he is kind. Therefore, you should rejoice always. That's kind of Lamentations 3 and 23. Now, the interesting thing about the book of Lamentations, as Joel pointed out, it is actually a set of five poems. It is structured, like poetically. So in the Hebrew language, there are 22 letters in, in the alphabet. So chapter 1 has 22 verses. Chapter 2 has 22 verses. Chapter 3 has 66 verses, 3 times 22. Chapter 4 has 22. Chapter 5 has 22. So if you take that, that's actually seven groups of 22. Exactly the shape of the menorah. The lamp that, ha that is in the house of the Lord, the lamp that's in the second sanctuary. And the, so there are seven, there are seven branches to the menorah. And so there are seven 
groups of 22 in the Book of Lamentations. I'm one of the people that actually likes math, so <laughs> I can probably figure that out now. Um, and uh, the Book of Lamentations is a very sad book. It's full of grief and sorrow. The first two chapters are full of sorrow. The first of the third chapter, first 22, is also sorrowful. The last 22 are also sorrowful. And the last two chapters are also sorrowful. That's a pretty grim picture of reality. We live in a broken world. So if you haven't faced sorrow, there's horror on your history. There may be sorrow in your future. There will be sorrow in your future at some point. There will be sorrow in the middle of wherever you are right now. So right now, we may be faced with sorrow, but we know what the beautiful thing is? The very center of that menorah, chapter verse 23, is the first of the third group. It is where God says, remember, bring to mind. Bring this to mind. Brilliant. Bring this to mind. That's a word for you, for everyone today, because we're living in a very terrifying world. Bring this to mind. The loving kindness of God never fails. He has, writ, he has lit a light in the middle of that menorah. And that light is Jesus. He came into the world. It is a light that cannot be extinguished. Hallelujah. It is a light that shines in the darkness. Even though the world did not comprehend it and it did not, com- it did not overcome it either. Hallelujah. It did not overcome that light and it cannot overcome that light. It is the light of God that has come into the world that the world might see a great light. Those who sit in darkness might see a great light. Hallelujah. Have you seen the light? Amen. Hallelujah. And that really is where um, I feel also just to carry on uh, with with that thought. I want to talk about the light of Jesus. Jesus said, believe in me. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. That's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? It's because when Jesus came, God redefined the meaning of death. It's not eternal extinction. It is a light that he places in your life that cannot be put out. It's the light of eternal life. And he gives it to whoever simply believes in me. Believes in Jesus. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked, he asked Martha, do you believe this? Or Mary, do you believe this? And she went theological on him. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. All this was at the death of, of uh, actually the death of Lazarus, who was a friend, deep friend. And Jesus knew that he had died. He prolonged his stay away and then finally came. But he knew he was going to die. But he also knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And yet, when he came there to do that very thing, he looked at Mary and Martha weeping, and the other Jews along weeping. It says, Jesus wept. And I've always wondered, why would Jesus weep when he knew he was going to raise him from the dead? I don't know, but I'm thinking that he bore our griefs, he bore ours, he bears our sores, he bears our griefs. 
He knows that we go through hard times, even on earth. But he also knows that it's not the end. But he weeps with us, but he also rejoices when, when the victory comes through. Hallelujah. In the world, you will have tribulation. But fear not. I've overcome the world. There's power in the name of Jesus. Death is inevitable. It's inescapable. Even God's own son had to die. Because it's part of humanity. But it's not the last of the story. We will see God in our flesh, even if we die. Because at the last trump, our bodies will be resurrected. That's going to be quite something. We've never seen that except in Jesus. But uh, I think it's going, to, it's going to be quite something when that happens. Hallelujah. I quite, can't quite picture how that might happen or what it might look like. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be astonishing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, faith in Jesus means believing in Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith in Jesus. The only faith that counts is believing in Jesus. Every other, you can have faith in a lot of things. People, you have to live, you, we all live by faith. Everybody, even, the, even the, everybody in the world lives by faith. You either have faith in medicine, the economic system, uh, the military system, the political system, all the, have, all the earthly systems you can believe in, all those things. You have to have faith in order to, every time I go to the bank and put my bank card in, I have faith that when I press the button, out comes the money. Unless the bank says no. And that's faith. But the only faith that really counts is that we believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. So there's three aspects to that faith in a practical way. There's faith in the name. There's faith in the... Sorry, let me just get that right. There's faith in the person of Jesus. The faith in the name really represents all the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus. Faith in the name means faith in his personal presence. Faith in him as the Messiah means faith in the power that he has because of who he is, who God declared him to be. He declared him to be the Son of God with power. Hallelujah. Power in his office. So faith is equivalent or faith finds its foundation in the fact that we believe in Jesus. There's lots of other faith you may have, but the only one that really matters is that you believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith is this. It brings the certainty of heaven into the uncertainty of earth. Everything in, on earth has a component of uncertainty. You may think you got it all figured out, but then you get a curveball. There's uncertainty on earth. Benjamin Franklin said, the only things that are certain on earth are death and taxes. But if you're rich enough, taxes aren't all that certain either. Because you've got a good lawyer, you'll figure out. But one thing is certain, death. God said, you will surely die, and that now has been true since Adam and Eve. Because, but Jesus came and said a lot of other things as the word of God. And those are also certain. So faith is about taking the, to having relationship with God so you can take the certainty that's in heaven and bring it into earth. Those are part of the secrets that we're referred to. 
through the prophetic word this morning, that he, you, you have the right to take something which is in heaven. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. There are things that you have or resources that you have that actually faith gives you the means. It is the latter. It is a way of bringing the, the, the things which are promised in heaven down to earth. Hallelujah. That's why we have to pray according to the will of God because everything God does is according to his will. Why is that? Because everything in heaven is certain. There are no uncertain things in heaven. So the certainty of heaven is defined by the will of God, by what he has programmed, planned, done. And whatever he has done, he's done for the, to optimize, to absolutely make best. He, God is good. It's not good like relative good. He's absolute good. You can't do better than the will of God. Anything short of that glory, out of that will, is suboptimal. It's less than good. Less than good defined by God. It might be, you know, relatively good, but it's not as good as what God could have for you. That's why we need to pray according to the will of God. And how do we find the will of God? By believing in Jesus and connecting with him. But it's faith, first of all, in the name of Jesus. So, let's just have a look at that. So here's that nice little story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. They're going to church. They're going to pray, and they come across a guy sitting at the Gate Beautiful. You know why it was called the Gate Beautiful? Because they had made the archway, they had made the, the canopy of that gate gold. It was gold, and it reflected in the eastern sun so that it looked like the glory of God was on the temple, but actually it was just gold. But it looked like the glory of God. And so when Peter and John come up, and he's lame at the, he's, isn't it ironic? He's sitting there lame under the canopy of what's supposed to be the glory of God, and he's lame. And people are giving him money. So he's asking for money, and Peter and John say, well, silver and gold, we have none. It's all up there on the roof. <laughs> we don't have any of that, but what we have, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they did. Hallelujah. Well, it created quite a stir. All the people, all the, the leaders in the place said, what is going on here? It's like a riot has broken out. And how did the, why, what authority did these people do this? How can you, how can you do it? It was the Sabbath. They were on their way to, you know, to pray. And, you know, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, not even good things, supposedly. So what Peter then said is, he said this, and listen to the words, on the basis of faith in his name. It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him. Where does faith come from? Through believing in Jesus. Then you have the faith to believe. This guy can walk. Get up. It comes through relationship with Jesus. Faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. So faith means believing in the name. Believing in the name. Because faith comes through believing in the name. And that's a, there's a difference between hope and faith. You can have hope without faith. Hope hopes. But faith brings it into reality, according to Hebrews 11. Faith in Jesus is what brings hope into being. And faith, it was Peter's faith in the name that made the lame man walk. So what makes the name so special? 
the name Jesus is very common. It was common at the time. In fact, it's mentioned 205 times in the Bible. It's similar to Joshua in the, in the Hebrew language. So it's very common. But then it was Jesus of Nazareth that kind of narrowed it down. Jesus of Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus was a common name. He was a, a nobody from nowhere. So what made him so special? Well, because God declared that name to be the name above every other name, and at that name every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. What made him special? What made his identity special? Because God said it was. What makes you special? Because God says you are. It's not what you think you are. It's not what everybody else, nobody's taking a poll to find out how special you are or not. Let me... People get concerned about what people think about them. Listen, most of the time, nobody's thinking about you. <laughs> so don't worry about it. And even if they did think about you and had their opinions and whatever, who cares? Who are they? Who made them judge? Doesn't matter. Most people are too worried about what other people think. Don't worry about it. Think well, worry about what God thinks. Because he'll tell you who you really are. He says, well, you are. You are, you are important because I say you are. You are blessed because I say you are. You are clean because I say you are. You are holy because I say you are. Remember when Peter saw his lunch coming down? out of heaven in Acts chapter, what was it, chapter 9, uh, his lunch coming down there, and there was all kinds of creepy things on there that even Evan wouldn't eat. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> there were sea urchins, there were serpents, there were, you know, pine cones. <laughs> I've never eaten anything like this, Peter says. It's common, it's unholy, it's unclean. It's unclean. I've never eaten anything unclean. Jesus said, what I call clean, don't let anyone call unclean. Hallelujah. The devil will tell you you're unclean. The Lord responds to him and says, you don't call unclean what I've called clean. So you're not clean because you're all sparkly. You're clean because Jesus said you are. He'll work on the outside. He begins on the inside. He's declared the inside clean. That's eternity. In eternity, you're fully clean, fully sanctified. Everything is good. Amen? In the meantime, he's working on the outside. I think that's right. I'll have to check with Holly and Sue and other theologians here. Well, so it was special because God made him special. It's the name whereby men shall be saved. It's a prophetic name. Jesus is a prophetic name. It literally means salvation. And so if you think of it, Jehovah, in the Bible, there are, I, can't, I didn't count how many there were, but there are lots of names of God. Jehovah, Nisi, Jehovah, Rama, Jehovah, Rapha, Jehovah, Jireh. Provide. It all speaks about what God's provision is. Those are covenant names. So Jehovah, Jireh, God provides. Jehovah, Rapha, God heals. All of these are things that people experienced in the Old Testament and the, among the Israelites and the Jews. They, they experienced these things, and they understood God from the basis of their experience in him. So 
Now it's Jehovah Jesus. Jehovah Yeshua, Jehovah's salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It's biblical. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Jehovah Jesus. Jesus has become salvation. Now, the devil didn't figure it out because he, didn't, he thought, well, God is my salvation. He wasn't picturing it as God actually becoming a person, a human being. That was like, whoa, that's way out of left field. He never would have thought that was possible. He didn't think God would lower himself to a place where he would become a man. So even the devil didn't figure it out. He thought Jesus was a man. Oh, so you say you're the son of God, but he didn't quite know what that meant. He was God. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, and He was with God, and He was God. That was the part that they didn't get. So in Jesus, God is literally our, God is literally our salvation. God has fulfilled the promise that is in that name, and that hope, that hope of salvation has been made a reality. God didn't just save us from sins and from things around us in our temporal world. He saved us from the penalty of death and hell. Hallelujah. Now, we don't know what hell is like because we haven't been there. Some people live hell here, but I don't think it's anything in comparison. But he's delivered us from all of those things, from the penalty of death. Hallelujah. So that's what's in the name of Jesus. It's a name that has been given. It was given to Jesus so that he took on, he took on that, that identity of salvation. He had took on the identity of humanity. Everything that human, human people experience, everything that we as human beings experience, he has experienced, and yet without separating himself from God or from faith in God. I don't know if you ever thought about Jesus having to live by faith. He did. He had to live by faith in his Father. So it's not extreme to think that he was modeling for us how to live by faith, believing in him. Hallelujah. It's given to all, his name was given to Jesus, but it was also given to, all, to us, to all who believe. It's a name that has been given to us, to those who believe. He said, I will give a new name written on a white stone in the book of Revelation. It's a fair name, James calls it, because you've been called by that name. So actually, you have been, his name has been put on you. It's like you have another given name. It redefines who you are. It's the name by which we have been distinguished. It's a precious name. It's beautiful and it's useful. Hallelujah. It's who God calls you to be. It's as if all those promises that we read in the Bible, he has made them specially to you. Personally to you. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah while I find the next slide. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love the promises of God. I've experienced the promises. I've, I've experienced him as my provider. I've experienced him as the banner of my life during battles. When you work in a caustic environment and God is for you, nobody can stand against you. It's the most amazing thing. It is a wonderful thing. It brings you to the place like, okay. I know whom I have believed. It's everything. But here's what is really wonderful. When we think about the promises, okay, somebody sends you, a, sends you a note. Here are all the promises that are yours. You send you a legal document with all the promises and commitments to you and so on. But there's more to faith in Jesus than faith in the promises. It's faith in the person. 
Lo, I I am with you always. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we saw His glory. Glories are the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. But Jesus said, I am with you. It's a personal pronoun. It's not just a covenant, not just a promise, not just the Word. It is a personal encounter with God. That's what's in store for all of us. That's what we have in Christ. A personal encounter. It's not just a marriage license, but it's the spouse. Hallelujah. The law of God is not written in stone, but in the person. And law is replaced, as the scripture said, by grace and truth. Hallelujah. It's a higher law. Grace and truth comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's inseparable from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the blend of Holy Spirit and the person in the spirit of Jesus. And he has come to us. Um, in all his fullness, grace upon grace. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive everything there is in God. So there's grace. And, you know, grace has got a bit of a bad reputation right now. Among some. So for some, grace means, okay, we have forgiveness. Which means I can basically do anything I want and I can count on God's forgiveness because he's gracious and faithful. Yeah. No, grace is, grace is for forgiveness, but that doesn't mean uh, that we achieve perfection. We don't have, uh, he, he, um, he does look at what we are, and he knows the flesh is weak, but the, and the, what matters is that the Spirit is willing. And so the fact is, okay, when he puts his Holy Spirit in you, don't think that you have to be qualified for that. He is the qualifying process. He puts his spirit in broken vessels. You know what is special about broken vessels? They leak. So the spirit can leak out from you. Hallelujah then. So that's one way of looking at it. The other thing is, I don't know, when you bleed, you're actually leaking blood, right? But that blood actually heals the wound. So even if you're broken, his presence in you flows in you and out of you. It flows in such a way that it heals the part that's broken. But also in the meantime... You know, there's always something broken. As long as we're human, there'll be something broken. So we get leaky. Well, what does that mean? Well, you have to constantly go to get refilled. Until we get a new body, when that doesn't leak, that'll be all right, too. So it's the grace and the promises of the name, but more than that is the, it's the promise in the person of Jesus Christ. The secret things become ours as we heard this morning. The hidden treasures of darkness. He can take even the things that the enemy meant for evil and turn them to good and they become treasures. So those are all wonderful. There's the the grace of his promises that comes. If he didn't withhold his own son, will he not also freely give us everything that comes with that? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. Are you blessed? Let me hear you say so. Hallelujah. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Yes. Now here's the last part of grace that often is missed. It's the grace, the power of God, the gifting of God that enables us to be conformed to Jesus. It's the grace of conforming. So forgiveness is one side of the equation. It removes the blockages, the things that are in the way. But once once grace begins to flow, its purpose is not just to forgive and forget. It's about conforming you to the image of Christ, to make you more like him. 
Um, I don't know if you have ever hung wallpaper. Don't you hate it when it doesn't quite line up? So they have something called a plumb bob. Does anybody know what that is? And so you like attach a string and then it has a little weight on it so that it's perfectly straight relative to gravity. It comes straight down and then you flick it and it bring, puts a line. That line is a straight line. It's a straight line and the idea when you're going to hang the wallpaper is you have to conform the wallpaper to that line. Not by what you think is straight, because even the walls can be wrong, you know? So you have to conform that to that line. And so you bring it down, it's a perfect alignment. Then everything else goes relative to that plumb line as we go on uh, throughout the whole wall. And Jesus is actually described as a plumb line in the Old Testament. He is the plumb line of God. He is the perfect definition of righteousness and right living. He's the perfect definition of what it means to be truly human without sin. The way God intended it to be. So he's a perfectly straight line. And God's purpose of grace is to straighten out your life. So it is in line with the perfect line. It's perfect. It's the perfect will of God for you. Just, it's an illustration of that perfect line. But it's the perfect will of God for you. It's kind of unique to you. But it's the perfect will of God for you. And it's a perfectly straight line. And what God's intention in grace is to align you with the perfect will of God for you. He knows how he made you. You're unique. But he's got a perfect line for you. When my life is hidden with Christ in God, it's the perfect line. And God's purpose of grace is to align you to that. And it takes your whole lifetime for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, we don't really know what's going on because, you know, we look at the outside. But God looks at the heart and the inside and every event, everything that happens to you, even your failures are all things that God is using to align you perfectly through grace and through trusting and believing in Him. Believing in Him even when you don't believe in yourself. How many people have ever been disappointed in themselves? Welcome to the club. <laughs> but there's no disappointment in Jesus. And you know what? He's not disappointed in you. That's remarkable. What matters to him is that you believe in him, that you love him, that you recognize that apart from him you can do nothing. Apart from him you will never be perfect. Apart from him you can't make it. Apart from him you can't do it. If anybody could do it, it would have been the Jewish people. They were extremely careful about doing things perfectly, and yet they were short of the glory of God because all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God, and surely everybody who sins will die. And if you don't think that that's the case, go to a cemetery. People are dying to get in there. Oh, well, it's an old joke. No, he's the plumb line. Don't, don't you love that? It's not just grace for forgiveness. It's not even just grace for all the things you get added to you when you're saved. But it is the grace of being able to conform you to the image of Christ because that's the very best thing that could possibly happen to you in life. It's the very best thing. Hallelujah. Uh, I got a little bit more. Are you okay? 
If you finish before I do, just go home. <laughs> All right, one last thing. It's faith in him as the Messiah. That is, faith in him in the office of Christ. Christ is not, it's not his last name. Christ is an office and a title. So Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came up and spoke to him and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Later in Philippians, Paul says, God has therefore elevated him to a place of the highest honor and given him a name that is above all other names, that, na that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. What's important here is that he has the ultimate authority, and it's in all three zones. He has authority in heaven in the place of God, in the place of God. He's sitting at the right hand of majesty on high. He does not get a higher authority than that. He has authority in heaven to, to command angels. He has authority in heaven. To, every resource of heaven is open to him. God has given all things into his hands. Hallelujah. So he's authority in heaven. He's no lack. He has authority on earth. He has authority in hell. He has authority over death and hell. Praise his name. That's why they cried out even before he died. And finally, he has authority on earth. And it's the span of authority that's important. It's authority that is spiritual in nature. It is a spiritual authority. Now, we tend to think of authority, we can think of spiritual authority in heaven and in hell. We can get that because that's where the spiritual realm is. But, you know, earth is also a spiritual realm. Did you know that? When Vincent James was here, he talked about that. He's, there are spiritual powers that govern the affairs of people and society. Social winds. Hidden things. The rulers of this present dark age, they operate through influence and through things that are not immediately obvious, but they influence individuals. They raise up leaders who are ready to, to follow their uh, agenda. And th so those are spiritual powers. And there are spiritual powers that are assigned to you. Ow. But there's another spiritual authority that's also been assigned to you. Jesus. <laughs> and he has authority. Or those things that are trying to distract and, and, and remove you from the will and purpose of God as we heard this morning. So those are very real things. And they work by influence. Jesus compared it to yeast that's in a lump that you can't see what's happening but it's making the lump rise. So it has an effect. It has an impact. Jesus has come to remove that and put in a different influence. The kingdom of heaven is also like yeast in a lump. It's an influence. It's a power. And it's where God has put his authority, his spirit to come in to end the war. In your flesh, there's always a war. In the earth, there's a war. There's a war of a spiritual nature on the earth as to who's going to govern, who is going to govern the uh, heritage and the future of humanity. Will it be the devil who man turned it over to? Or will it be God? Well, God had another man that didn't turn it over. So now we have a choice. Jesus is the authoritative body. So uh, you've all heard of the United Nations, right? 
the United Nations was uh, brought into being after World War II, and they sought to bring security through cooperation of nations. It had a predecessor, which you may or may not know, called the League of Nations. The League of Nations was uh, brought into being after World War I, which is supposed to be the war to end all wars. Of course, it didn't. And the League of Nations was there, supposedly, to guarantee that it would be the last great war. It didn't work. Then it was replaced by, um, by the United Nations. So the whole thing depends on cooperation. But, you know, even in a marriage, a marriage won't work if one, if two can't work if one won't. In the world, it only takes somebody who doesn't want to. And even the United Nations has limited teeth, as you may know, as you can see by the news. It's not like the world's policemen, they, can, they try to give tickets, but it doesn't often defer, deter the, the problem. And the, the really reason is that that kind of authority, is, as, as, in, as good intentioned as it is, and certainly not altogether bad, but as good intentioned as it is, it's limited because it depends on people. Man has to agree. And never in history has man agreed. So authority that's given by man can be taken away by man. That's why Jesus didn't want people to make him king. Because if they made him king, they could also dethrone him. But God has given him a throne. Hallelujah. God has made him king of kings and lord of lords. God has given him the authority. No one can take that away because there's no higher authority. Wonderful. We have to have faith in the fact that he has authority. He has authority in the spiritual realm, which means that those things that govern your existence of a spiritual nature can be overcome by the power of God. Like what Pastor Joel said last week, even if, there, if you have addictions, you have things that you can't get over, you can't, things you can't deal with, you've got problems that are buzzing around you like a bunch of wasps, there's authority in Jesus. It doesn't have to define who you are. It may be what you're experiencing, but it doesn't define who you are. It does not define who you are. And when you know who you are, it's going to change what you do. He has authority because he is the Messiah. He has that specific and purposeful role, and that's why he's in your heart and why he's in your life. He's there to save your soul to reconcile you to God, defeat the spiritual powers that are at war against our predestined purposes and relationship. And that's his purpose. Hallelujah. All it requires is that we obey. Not always easy, but we, that's what his come grace to give you a faith to obey because you know what is best. Hallelujah. Faith needs, need, does need obedience. You know, when, when, when you're saved and the devil's power is taken away, he doesn't, God does not take away your free will. He can't cast out yourself. That's your job. And so, you know, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us and to comfort us, to show us the way, and he does. We can ask him to take away those things that are inappropriate for the work of God to go on in our life. We all have those things. And, and so it's a constant battle, 
uh, because you're leaky, but you can keep coming to the fountain and get filled up again. Hallelujah. It's, it's like those limitless drinks you get at NW and, you know, just keep getting another one. So, you know, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I, 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 you know, I know what it's like to go through things most recently. And I want to tell you that there's hope in Jesus. There's help in Jesus. There's health in Jesus. Whatever you need is in him. Whatever you need is in him. And it's, in, it's not just in the promises. It's not just in the promises of Jesus. It's not even in, in the, it's in the person of Jesus, in his personal presence. And that's something that we can actually develop and continue to develop. It's like any other relationship. You've got to put into it, right? But when you do, when you're in that secret place, as we heard this morning, that's where the secrets of God are revealed. It's the intimate place of relationship that he wants for all of us. And let me tell you something. When you experience it, you will like it. Amen. So I'm going to, maybe you'll just join me in prayer this morning. You know, it's not, it's not like a fire, wind, and, and earthquake uh, ministry this morning, but it, maybe it's a still small voice. I think it's just simply the Lord kind of influencing us and telling us the reality of things. He's not appealing to your emotions. He's appealing to your spirit. The Holy Spirit is appealing to our spirits this morning. And listen, we need it. The world needs it. The world is in a bad shape. The world's in bad shape. People are, normal people are worried about it. But I know whom I have believed. I'm not pessimistic. I'm optimistic. Because, as Joel also said, and my, grand, my mother-in-law used to say, but God. And I think that's a good mantra. So let's stand up together. and Will you be that instrument that carries the spirit of God and hope? Do you believe in Jesus? I'm challenged by that. Believing in Jesus happens. Faith comes through just turning your heart over to him and speaking to him as a person. Just speak to him as a person and ask him to come into your life. And I, th I think that has a wonderful way of just um, transforming the whole position of faith that we need to live where we are. So let's just pray together. Father, maybe you can repeat after me. Father, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I thank you that I can come to you without any prerequisites other than believing and trusting in who you are. So Lord, I put my heart, my mind and my soul into that place of love that you especially prepared for me. I know that when I go to that place, you said you would be there. And I can meet with you. So, Lord, that's where I want to be. I want to be in that secret place. So I can know the secrets for a life even in a broken world. Let your hand be upon me. Let me be a light. Let me be a light of hope to others that are sitting in darkness so that your name may be glorified. Holy Spirit, come. Revive those that are dead and those who are sleeping, that we may glorify your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.